scripture this morning is Proverbs chapter 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive, that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered, and if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray as you're being seated. Father in heaven, we hear clearly from you this word to be attentive. To be attentive to your word. The word that we just heard read and now the word that will be preached, Lord, make us attentive. Teach us, Lord, to walk in the way of wisdom. We need this more than we can even begin to imagine. So teach us, we pray. By your mercy, soften our hearts and make us a people who are willing to follow in your ways for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, uh, over the past eight weeks, we've been looking at some themes in the book of Proverbs because what we want to do, we've obviously not been able to cover the whole book, but what we wanted to do is just cover some themes in order to help us see what wisdom looks like in our lives, how we're to flesh it out in our lives. And so we've taken some themes from this book because... Because wisdom is something that we live. As I said a few weeks ago, wisdom is not nearly, merely about knowing certain things, but it's about living in a certain way. Jonathan Wilson explains this more fully when he says, Living wisely means living in accordance with God's intention for the redeemed creation. Now this other part, in our everyday lives. That's what wisdom is. It's it's about fleshing out God's purpose, God's intention for his redeemed creation in every aspect of our lives every day. We need the grace of God for this. That's why we pray. So what we've been trying to do this summer is give us a glimpse of that. I pray that it's provoked you to spend more time in the book of Proverbs. This is such a great book. But along the way this summer, we've learned, for example, last week, Brent talked to us about how uh, wise people are, are generous with their money and their possessions. A couple of weeks ago, um, we considered that wise people are humble towards God and, and humble toward others. Um, also along the way, we've seen how wisdom gets worked out in, in areas like our sexuality or our speech or our friendships or our planning. These are some of the themes we've looked at. And to kick it all off, a number of weeks ago, we saw that the beginning of wisdom, the continuation of wisdom, and the end of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. None of this, none of us are going to walk in the way of wisdom unless we fear the Lord, unless we reverently submit our lives to the Lord of glory. That sort of undergirds everything. So this morning what I want to do as we wrap up this series in the book of Proverbs, I want to come back around to something you've heard because I'm, I'm pleading with you this morning. I'm urging you this morning to embrace with all your heart the way of wisdom. We need to be a people who who walk in the way of wisdom. And that's my my prayer and that's my plea this morning. See, this is important. This is so important because wisdom is not something that we do here or there. Wisdom is not something that we do once in a while. Wisdom is not... Something that we do when the, you know, the fancy takes us. That's not the way the Proverbs portray wisdom. Wisdom in the Proverbs is, is not intermittent. It's not erratic. It's, it's purposeful. It's consistent. 
It's persistent. It's steady. It's stable. And it's it's downright determined. This is what Proverbs 4.11 calls the way of wisdom. It's a way of living that that the, the further we go begins to more and more and more deeply characterize who we are. None of us arrive, but we do grow. We do mature. And that's the goal. So the question that we should be asking ourselves this morning is how? How do we learn to walk in the way of wisdom? I hope that's on your mind. And I want to look at Proverbs 4 because it really gives us a three-part answer. Perfect for preaching. It's a three-part answer for how we walk in the way of wisdom. First, we walk in the way of wisdom by receiving wise instruction. That's all over the Proverbs. It's repeated many times in Proverbs 4. So first, we walk in the way of wisdom by receiving, taking into us, wise instruction. Second, we walk in the way of wisdom by making wise choices. This is not, this is not physics. This is fairly simple. But, but it's amazing how rare wise choices are. <laughs> and third, we walk in the way of wisdom by maintaining wise priorities. That, one, that one's a little bit more difficult. So I want to look at these. All of these are obviously related. They reinforce each other. But I, want, I do want to take each one of these out for a walk with you this morning. So, number one, we walk in the way of wisdom. We learn to walk in the way of wisdom by receiving wise instruction. Now, if, if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, I preached on humility and pride. And I, I tried to lean on this point. If you are not humble, you will not receive wisdom. Proud people are know-it-alls. They, do, they have nothing to learn from anybody. Humble people are, receive the instruction of wisdom. So I encourage you to go and listen to that because I can't touch on that here. But before we talk about receiving instruction, we need to realize that we, we need instructors. Look at verses 1 and 2 of Proverbs 4. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. So what are we doing here? We're, we're overhearing a father who has some teenage boys and he's turned off the TV and he's sat them down and he's saying, listen to me. It's one of those serious conversations that dad has. And he's looking at them in the eyes and he's saying, hear what I'm saying. Receive my instruction. This is so important. He's teaching his boys in the way of wisdom. Now, ideally, wisdom is something that we learn in the home as little boys or little girls. We learn in the home from our parents. We learn through their instruction. And then we learn through their example. We see how they live out what they instruct us, right? This is the way It's supposed to be. This is the way it was supposed to be in ancient Israel. For example, if you go to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 7, this is what we read. This is a very famous uh, passage 
in Deuteronomy. It's called the Shema. It's read uh, every uh, day in the synagogue. And here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. See, the Bible clearly teaches here and in numerous other places that the primary responsibility for raising children in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord, that belongs to parents. That belongs to parents. That is a parent's primary responsibility. And teaching our children in the way of wisdom is a very important part of that. So let me just say, if you're a parent here this morning, or perhaps you desire to be a parent one day, let me gently encourage you. This is a responsibility that you do not want to neglect. Perhaps some of you are young and that's not even on your radar. You're thinking parenting is years down the road. Let me just say this. Don't put it off because years down the road come up a lot faster than you realize. It's like a Bugatti Veyron coming at you from a kilometer. It might look small, but it'll be here very quickly. And uh, just had to put that in for the gearheads. Um, And... (laughs) And let me, here's the thing. You can't give to your kids what you don't have yourself. I wish somebody had said to me what I just said to you. When Marlene and I got married, whoa, stupid, dumb as a post. And then having kids, that's like somebody just threw you into the deep end of the pool. I discovered pretty quickly, foolish, capital F, underline, bold letters. And thankfully, I I just, I thought, if if I don't learn how to swim right now, I am going to drown and take my whole family down with me. My wife was very gracious with me. The Lord was very gracious with me. Friends were very gracious with me. I wish I had known what was coming. I was unprepared. Please, 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 I beg of you, get wisdom. Now, perhaps some of you are thinking, but but Pastor Fred, I, I don't have Christian parents. Or maybe I have parents that say they're Christians, but clearly they're not very wise. Or maybe your parents are no longer alive. Now, I can tick all of those boxes. But let me just say this. That does not mean that the way of wisdom is a lost cause for you. Let me just give you two reasons why. First of all, God is our Father. And He speaks to us wisdom and instruction on every page of His Word. The neglect of this equals foolishness. 
Secondly, and, and I think just as importantly in many ways, and I love this, within the family of believers, the Lord is so kind, He is so kind to give us spiritual fathers and mothers. I love what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 to 12. Here's what he writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. See, Paul, obviously these were not his children, but spiritually they were. He took on the mantle of a spiritual father. I love what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1-2. He refers to Timothy, not his natural child, as his true child in the faith. Now, as I alluded to a moment ago, over the past 27 years, the Lord has brought a number of key, key people into my life who have helped me, mentored me, guided me, rebuked me, instructed me in the way of Jesus. And some of those people kept me from utter, destructive, foolish things. I am deeply thankful to the Lord's grace in my life for spiritual mentors, for spiritual fathers and mothers. And they looked out for me the way a father or mother looks out for the well-being of their child. I'm so thankful for that. And I pray that for our church. I Two things to say here. If you've been a Christian for a while, and you know something about following the way of Jesus and walking in the way of wisdom, let me ask you this. Who are your spiritual children? What are you doing about that? How are you uh, being a spiritual father or a spiritual mother to others in the church? I know that can sound kind of scary. But let me encourage you to, to take that mantle on you. It's amazing how it will help you grow in your own maturity. In, in discovering more about the way of wisdom for yourself. But second thing I want to say is that if you're a new believer. Or perhaps you just kind of know that, that, that maybe you lack wisdom in certain areas of your life. Let me ask you this. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? I would encourage you to to, to seek out a a mentor. Seek out a, a spiritual mother or father. Grab a coffee with them. Share your life with them. Let them know where there's some gaps in your where you're not being wise. And ask for their help. Ask for their instruction. Ask them to show you from the Word of God and to pray with you about how this gets applied to your life. We need this in the church. Mothers and fathers in the faith are crucial for building up the church. Well, I've said a bit about instructions. Way more time there than I thought. Let's say a word about wise instruction, receiving it. Look at Proverbs 4, 3-9. When I was a son with my father, 
tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom and whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. The, the, the proverb here, the father here is inviting us into what we would call the tradition of wisdom. See, the father here in Proverbs is passing along to his children, his boys, what he received from his father. Now, this is important because if you're going to become someone who instructs others in wisdom, let me, let me just lay this fact on you. That wisdom does not originate with you. That's why any of us have wisdom. If, if you think that the wisdom that you have is just sort of bubbling up from within you and no one else has had this insight, come and see me afterwards. It's, it's just crazy what some people get in their minds. This, people that teach and instruct and model wisdom, they stand in a very long line. Biblical scholars call the wisdom books of the Bible the wisdom tradition of Scripture. Song of Solomon's and Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and a number of Psalms. These are all part of the wisdom tradition in Scripture. So what does this wisdom tradition teach us? Well, in Proverbs 4, 3 to 9, it teaches us primarily the value of wisdom and the benefits of wisdom. Look quickly at verses 5 and 7. I love this. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. I mean, the beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. I mean, Marlene, sometimes you get at me talking a bit sharply with the kids. I mean, come on. Here it is. (laughs) There's a sense of urgency here. This isn't something to kind of casually consider when you get the time for it. His tone is elevated. He's he's urgently exhorting his kids, listen up. Don't ignore this. Get this on your radar. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Let me say this. If, If wisdom's kind of a new thought for you, move it to the top of your to do list right now. Right now. It's vital. Nobody gets into glory without growing in the way of wisdom. Carve out time to pursue this priority in your life. This morning, it's as if God the Father is looking at you, looking in your eyes and saying this to you, get wisdom. I love the NIV translation of verse 7. It's even more emphatic. It says this, Though it cost you all that you have, get understanding. And that's true. If you want God's wisdom, it's, it's costly. It's going to cost you. I think probably it'll cost you um, 
many of the, the preconceived and the culturally inherited ideas that you have about the way that life should work. Wisdom's going to come along and probably throw some of that in the, 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 the blender. We've got to get wisdom. Let me just say this. In the end, foolishness and ignorance will cost you far more than wisdom and getting understanding ever will. So why should we pay this price? Well, look at Proverbs 4. Actually, I don't think the slide's up here. But Proverbs 4 says, look, the, God's wisdom will make us alive. Do you want to be alive? I know that you have a pulse. I know that you can fog a mirror. That's not what it's talking about. It'll make you alive. It'll give you that life abundant that Jesus talked about in John 10.10. 10. I want to be alive. I want to be on. I want to be present and accounted for with my life. Don't you? Well, wisdom will give you that. Wisdom, it says, will keep us and guard us. How many of us worry incessantly about what may happen, what may not happen? How many of you worry about what could go wrong in your life right now? You feel burdened about it. You're anxious about it. You're, you're a bit scared. It says that the wisdom that comes from God will keep you and will guard you. It says, furthermore, that wisdom, in the end, will exalt you. It will honor you. It will bestow on you a beautiful crown. Now, I, I get it. If you're rich enough, if you're good-looking enough, if you're young enough, if you're sexy enough, if you're smart enough, and if you're skilled enough in this world, our culture promises you the equivalent of all of those things. But ultimately, and I hope you've lived long enough to realize this, those are all false promises. Those are all dead ends. You see, money, youth, good looks, uh, good health, sex appeal, intelligence and skill cannot deliver what our culture says it will. Don't be fooled. Get the wisdom Get the insight, get the understanding, get the knowledge that God freely and generously offers you in Christ. Because that's what he's doing here. I'm not just, I haven't just made some massive leap from Proverbs 4 to Jesus Christ. I haven't. Proverbs 4 is pointing to Jesus Christ. He is the one who is greater than Solomon. He is the one, Colossians 2, 3 tells us, that in Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you knew there was a place where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge were hidden, would you not go there? Well, you know the place. Jesus Jesus, I'd love to talk to anybody about this. If, if you think I'm overclaiming, let's have a coffee. Anyway, we got to, well, I, I'm, oh, scary. Okay, so first point still. 
Receiving wise instruction is crucial, <laughs> crucial for walking the way of wisdom. Quickly, number two. <laughs> we learn to walk in the way of wisdom by making wise choices. Let me just point out this. There's a great contrast here in Proverbs 4, 10 to 17. I'll read it quickly. Hear, my son, and accept my words that, your year, that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Now, verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. So the metaphor here is clearly the way, the path, right? And in verse 11, we read about the way of wisdom and the path of uprightness. And then in verse 14, the contrast is the path of the wicked and the way of evil. So there's two ways. There's two paths. There's, there's only two alternatives that the Proverbs set before us. The way of wisdom... The way of evil. There's no middle way. There's no happy compromise between the two. We're either on one or we are on the other. So let me ask you this morning. Are you on the path of wisdom? Or are you on the path of evil? Now I know. I know exactly what you just thought. Oh, come on, Pastor Fred, that's pretty strong. You know, path of evil. It's not like I murdered anyone. That's what you just said to yourself or something like that. It's not like I'm Hitler. The path of evil. But thinking like that misses the whole point here. If you remember when we went through Galatians, Galatians 1.4 reminded us that we live in a present evil age. 1 John uh, 4.19 says something similar. It says that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so here's my point. Simply by keeping in step with the world, guess what? By default, you are on the path of evil. Now, some of you may think, well, that just seems really strong. And I think it seems really strong because you think that there's a neutral place. There isn't. There is no, not one square inch in the entire universe which is neutral. C.S. Lewis says it's claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. But one of the reasons why I think that language sounds a little over the top for us is because we've been anesthetized by the culture. I love what theologian David Wells says. He explains it this way. Please listen. Worldliness is that system of values in any given age which has as its center our fallen human perspective which displaces God and his truth from the world and which makes sin look normal and righteousness seems strange. It thus gives great plausibility to what is morally wrong and, for that reason, makes what is wrong seem normal. 
It is this spiritual reality that is pervasive in modern culture. This is why we don't like to hear the word evil. Because we've been anesthetized by the culture. We're half awake. We're mostly asleep. So let me ask you again. Path of wisdom or path of evil? There's only two. Now, unless you think that Proverbs is just a little bit too binary, let me remind you of what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Those are terrifying words. See, life is a journey. That's what the metaphor of the path means. And there are no shortcuts. We must take it one step at a time with constant, moment-by-moment recommitments to Jesus Christ. There's a lot at stake here. Proverbs 4 sort of finishes this section with a warning and then a word of hope. In verse 19, he gives us the warning. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. Consider those words and then consider consider the present confusion that characterizes our culture. It's as, it's as if someone's just come and turned out all the lights. Good luck with that. You know, in our culture today, good is bad. And right is wrong. Lies are believed as truth. And truth is denounced as a lie. Lights are off, folks. Stumbling around in the dark. In contrast to that, there's a word of hope in verse 18. But the path of the righteous is like the light of the dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. 1 Corinthians one twenty four, Paul says that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. And see, through His death for you, through His death for your sin, and through His resurrection from the dead, let me just say this. The dawn, if you're a Christian, the dawn of a new creation has risen over the horizon of history and its light is beating down on you and it's only going to get brighter. The sun is rising and the darkness will not, cannot, never will defeat it. Jesus Christ, despite all the appearances, He is reigning and He will reign absolutely one day. The light will shine. And that'll be good news for those who are in him. But that will not be good news for those who are on the path of evil. That will be a day of great terror. John 8, 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He offers that to us. I've stumbled around in the dark. We all have. Which way are we going? Lost, disoriented, 
confused, freaked out. Been there. I am so thankful that He is the light of the world and that He sheds that light lovingly, mercifully, continually, graciously on us. Let's live in His light and let's invite others into the light. His light is life. Third point. We learn to walk in the way of wisdom by maintaining wise priorities. Take a look at verses 20 to 23. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. And then verse 23, please mark it. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. You see, culture says, follow your heart. (laughs) Eh. Culture says, follow your heart. Is there a worse piece of counsel that anyone could ever give? Proverbs says, guard your heart. Keep it. Watch over it. Guard it like the way um, a, a guard guards a prisoner. That's the language here. Guard it. Why? Because Jeremiah 17, 9 says, guess what? Our hearts are deceitful and wicked. Don't let that stuff out. Guard it. Keep it. Govern it. Follow your heart? It's like commit suicide? (laughs) It's about that. It's about the same. We've got to watch over our hearts. This is priority number one. Do you know your heart? Do you know the ways that your heart tempts to deceive you and, and lead you off the path? Do you know yourself? That Don't be ignorant of yourself. Be aware of what's going on inside of you. Don't, don't navel gaze, please. Look at yourself in the mirror of the word. And, and make sure you're never far from Jesus. Because some of the stuff we find there is not, is not good. Right? And, and if you don't do this near the cross of Christ where he died for your sin and where the empty tomb and it's, he is risen, where these are not triumphant truths in your life, then you will despair. Examine your heart in light of the word right beside the cross of our Savior. Because all the sin is canceled sin. And then we can fight it and kill it and put it to death by the power of the Spirit as Romans 8.13 encourages us to. We've got to guard our hearts. And we do that by, by treasuring Jesus. See, where your, heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The heart just loves treasure. Well, what do you love? Money? Power? You know, the list, right? No. Treasure Jesus Christ. Your heart will just, boom. 
you will, you will find the way of wisdom becomes very, well, not easy, but easier. <laughs> I think Jesus had Proverbs 4.23 in mind when in John 7 he said, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Listen to that invitation. Let everyone, let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John adds the note. He spoke of the Holy Spirit when he said that. See, in this journey of life, in this way of wisdom, Jesus has come to me. Drink deeply of me. Drink deeply of my, my grace. Drink deeply of my forgiveness. Drink deeply of my reconciliation. Drink deeply of my faithfulness. Drink deeply of my love. You will be refreshed. My spirit will fill you. And out of you will come life abundantly. Some of us feel like we're, we're just trying to scoop up the, 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 the muddy water at the bottom of a broken cistern. Because you're not treasuring Jesus. You're not going to Him and taking Him up on this offer that He gives you this morning. Let everyone who is thirsty come and drink. Beginning with this priority of diligently watching over our hearts, look at what verses 24 and 26 instructs us. It goes through speech, what we look at, and where we should walk. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Let me say this. Christian spirituality is never disembodied. It's not abstract kind of mystical spiritual experience. Christian spirituality, biblical spirituality, is always embodied. If you trust and love and want to follow Jesus, it'll be walked out. It'll be expressed in your hands and the things that you look at and and the way that you speak. That's what the Proverbs are saying here. It's always embodied. See, the reason for that is, remember Jesus... The Son of God eternally became a man. He, he, he took on flesh and bone with us. He became one of us. If there was ever a greater honor paid to the fact that we are embodied creatures. It is the incarnation of the Son of God. And not only that, but He purchased you. He purchased you. Paul says, you are no longer your own. You've been purchased with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Look at your hands this morning. Look at your feet. Look at your legs. Imagine your body and now glorify God with your body. Where are you going after? What are you going to watch later this evening? What are you saying to people? I understand. We probably have some repenting to do. That's okay. Jesus loves repentant people coming to him, asking for the grace and forgiveness that he freely gives all those who call upon his name. I played golf this week and I have some repenting to do. We get to present our bodies, as Romans 12 says, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. 
Finally, look at verse 27. We need, it says, do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Isn't this, he just knows us so well. You know, we'll start down the road. No, squirrel. <laughs> you know, we're kind of all a bit ADHD, right? Spiritually. And, and, and we just, oh, we get distracted and all oh, this novelty and this latest fad and it, it's all over the church. Don't. Don't. Novelties, I, I, you know, after the past 22 years of pastoral ministry, I've seen about 10 come through the church. Ignore them all. Stick with the Bible. Stick with Jesus. The Christian life is fairly ordinary, but at the same time, extraordinary. Don't, don't get caught up in fads, please. Oh, let's go to the right. Let's go to the left. That's evil. Don't be distracted. Make this your number one priority. Guard your heart with all diligence. Only Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. And none of us are coming to the Father but through him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the great mercy that you've shown to all of us. Teach us, Lord, your ways. Teach us in the way of wisdom. Lead us into a deeper walk with Jesus. We want to honor you with our lives, with our lips, with our thoughts, with all that we do and all that we are, Lord. Make us a humble people to walk in the way of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca. We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.